Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Go to Luke chapter 16. We were in Luke 17 this morning. And uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16 this evening. And uh, let's go there if you don't mind. And we have a beautiful couple of days coming up. And then it's going to get cold. So uh, how many want it to snow sometime in December? You want it to snow? Okay, okay. How many are like, it better not snow? And that's all there is to it. Okay, all right. How many's ever lived in snow? You've lived in snow. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Just want to make sure uh, who all the... Uh, who are the people are that if it snows, we're going to blame you. Amen. Uh, I want you to pray that in the morning, uh, Brother Killian and Miss Andrea Thompson go in. Baby's coming. Is that right? Tomorrow. And so pray for them. They got an early morning. Early? Yes, very early. Three in the morning. So anyways. But uh, Heath, are you excited about having a... Yes, there you go. Are you... Yes. Look at that kid. That kid's excited right there. So the other day, I scared him half to death coming around that corner up there. I don't, I don't think he recovered yet. Amen? Uh, Luke chapter 16 is where we're at, so keep them in your prayers. And now I'm cold. <laughs> don't look at me that way, y'all. Now I'm cold. Now it just, it just went past my jacket to my bones. So Luke chapter 16 uh, and uh, let's pray while Brother Robert gets me out of hot water. Ah, 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 get, okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sure do love you. Lord, my jokes are going nowhere this evening, so the sermon better be good. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you that we can be together. And Lord, it's just been a good day in the house of the Lord. Lord, this is the oasis. This is the time away from a world that is totally messed up. Lord, we're coming off a great time with family, coming off a great time with being able to be home a little bit extra. And Lord, I'm asking that as we come to the end of a, of a great year, as we begin, Lord, what should be um, a phenomenal year. Lord, these components that we're going to put in to the DNA of our church and these things we're going to awaken in us, God, I ask that as we gear up for a new year, now, Lord, these next couple of Sunday nights, that you would just work in us. I, I had no idea that, Lord, coming down to the end, that the next three and four Sunday night sermons would fall like dominoes right where they need to be. But, Lord, I, again, am amazed at the guiding hand of your Spirit. And, Lord, may your Spirit be evident in our church. And Lord, may you give us, give us that component that we need to be a lighthouse and bless us now in Jesus name we pray amen Luke chapter 16 we're gonna look at verse number 19 very familiar passage don't let the familiarity of the passage kind of take us off from what the truth God has for us tonight there was a certain rich man which clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Would you, would you say the next three words with me out loud? Could you do that, please? 
and in hell. Can we say those again? And in hell. That's the title for tonight, and in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. In my studies throughout the Gospels, when I'm coming to the parables that Christ gave, I found myself in the midst of his teaching that this is a real story, that it's not one of the parables. It says a certain man, then it names the poor man named Lazarus. One of the major doctrines that separate us from the vast religions is the doctrine of hell. Pew Studies, it's a research group that many preachers go to to kind of look into the, uh, the uh, polls that they take among the religious community, if you will. And they said belief in heaven and hell among U.S. adults from the 2014 survey. Christianity is broken down into a hodgepodge and they lump us in with the Protestants. We're not Protestants, we're Baptists. But they lock all Christians in. Listen to this. Only 70% of people who claim Christ as their Savior believe in hell. Evangelicals, 82%. Mainline Christians, only 60%. The historical black community, the church, 82%. Catholics, religion, 63% of Catholics believe in hell. Orthodox Christians, 59% of them believe in hell. Mormons, 62% believe in hell. Jehovah Witness, only 7% believe in hell. Non-Christian faiths, the Jews, 22%. The Muslims, 76%. Buddhists, 32%. Hindu, 28%. When you add up all the percent of those who are affiliated with any type of religion, it only comes to 58% of people who have some type of religion believe in a place called hell. You, must, you and I must understand that, first of all, I would like to tell, tell you, and I'm going to be very brief tonight, but hell is real. Hell is not a state of mind or a separation from God. Hell is real. But I need to let you know that hell and the lake of fire was never intended for the people in this auditorium. One of the greatest things I could stand up and tell everybody is this, hell was not created for you 
my friend, and for your family. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew 25, 41 because you need to see this. And young people, you need to see this. Children, you need to see this. I don't know what God's doing in your life. Just like Miss Thompson's going to deliver a baby tomorrow morning, that baby has been developing in the womb of that mama for nine months, and now it's ready. It's time to give delivery. I don't believe that at the moment somebody gets saved, God, I, I don't believe that God has not been working. How many times have I heard that God has been working? And this just may be one of those kind of sermons that God does use. Please don't turn it off because it's a doctrine that you've already come to grips with. I think our church needs to understand hell is real. And, and I would hope, I, I would hope if I were to ask for you to stand if you believe hell is real, I would hope that 100% of us would stand with the belief there is a place called hell. And in hell. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Look at this, please. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Just like this morning, I preached about a kingdom that is going to come. This kingdom that will exist to where it be total peace and total tranquility and the, the, the lion and the lamb. And when God is, is, is in control, there's total peace. But yet, can I tell you, there also is another kingdom. There is another place that is the opposite of that place of peace. And it is called hell. It is called everlasting fire. But this was not prepared for the people in our society. Oftentimes you'll hear people tell people to go there. Many times you'll hear people say, well, they're living in. But they're not. And we should never want anybody to go there. Because hell is real. Go to Jude, verse number 6, if you will. We know that hell was not created Everlasting fire was not created. And can I tell you something? The devil's nobody to fool with, my friend, because if God created such an awful place for the devil, he is not. Let me just pause and say this. The devil is not the nemesis of Jesus Christ because nobody's greater than Jesus Christ. The devil is a very powerful being that has wreaked havoc on humanity since the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3. And one day he is so powerfully bad and evil that God has reserved a place for the devil and all the angels who followed the devil in a place called hell. Look at Jude verse number 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, talking about the third of the angels, he hath reserved, look at this, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under what? Darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So we know then that hell, everlasting fire, this was not created for you and I, it was created for the devil and his angels. We know that these angels, which kept not their habitation, they decided to follow Lucifer and fall from heaven. That we know that this set of angels, that there's everlasting chains under darkness. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. I, I, I want you to see this because I, I want all of us to understand that hell was not created for you and I. Everlasting fire was not created for you and I. And please, if there's any Pharisees among us, and I don't believe that there is, but there may be some watching us, 
that are going to split hairs between hell and the lake of fire. They are two different things, but it's the same judicial system of a God that says that without Jesus you cannot get into heaven. There is not eternal sleep in the grave. To be absent from the body for believers is to be present with the Lord. And to be absent from the body for an unbeliever is to be in the local county jail called hell. Because one day the dead will be brought up out of hell. They will be judged according to their works. And then they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Look at 2 Peter 2.4. For, for if God spared not the angels, that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. I believe, according to your Bible, that the angels and the devil and all those who die without Jesus Christ, they will go to a place called hell, and then on judgment day, when those who are lost are brought up out of hell, and they will be given their final sentence for eternity in the lake of fire, I believe that the devil and the angels who follow the devil that they will be put into their eternal abode, but this was never what God intended. Would you go back to Luke chapter 16? Because there has been an overwhelming thought that has been then just been consuming me here lately. And here in Luke chapter 16, you're going to find that in, in verse number 19, if you'll kind of look there, that there was the pre-hell life of the rich man, and there was the pre-Abraham bosom life of Lazarus. But, but, but this place called hell, I want you to notice that in verse number 19, that this rich man was clothed in purple. And this rich man had fine linen. And this rich man fared sumptuously every day. But like will happen to all of us if the Lord does not come back, we will die. We will die. I'm 55 years of age. When I see the twins from this morning, my only regret about being 55 is that I, I probably will not be around to see them have their children. I, I, I probably will not be here. And as a pastor, you start thinking in terms like that. But I will tell you that if the Lord tarries is coming, that everyone, under the sound of my voice, will die. Everybody in Longview will die. Everybody in East Texas will die. Where for the believer, death is the end. And please get this. For the believer, where death is the end of sorrow and weeping and hardship and bad time, it's the end. For a lost man, it's the continuation of everything he is right now. When I came to Luke chapter 16 and I started looking through the lens of Luke 16 and I started looking at the society around me through the lens of Luke 16, I all of a sudden came to an epiphany that you may have already known, but I just realized how bad it is down here that a lost man is living, he steps into eternity with everything as a continuation 
of how he's lived. When you walk through, there are 16 things that I want you to feast your eyes on in the text as I go. See if you can find them. The rich man dies and was buried and in hell. While in hell, the rich man is able to see. He can see. While in hell, the rich man could see Abraham and the rich man could see Lazarus. Although the rich man never met Abraham, I find this very interesting, although the rich man never met Abraham, all his teaching about who Abraham was in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he said, you're Abraham. Do you realize that in hell, it's not like you and I. You and I are going to escape all the sorrow and all the pain and all the drama we won't remember it anymore. He's going to wipe away the tears. We get a new beginning. But those who go to hell, and that's why this doctrine of hell, we must remember that in hell, the rich man was able to recognize Abraham because of all the teaching about Abraham. He said, your father Abraham. In hell, when somebody dies and goes to hell, they will not start over. They will continue with everything that they have been taught. And Abraham was also able to recognize Lazarus. This tells me two things about someone who in, in, in hell and in hell. While in hell, the rich man was able to put a face with information. And while in hell, the rich man was able to remember the face he saw while he was alive. Do you realize what this means? This means every failure, every guilt, every hard time, everything, that they are going to come to the realization, that was my opportunity to get saved. That's what this was all about. That's what that person wanted when they knocked on my door. That's what that person wanted when they gave me a track. That's what they were trying to tell me. Why didn't I? And in hell, there is recognition. And in hell, the rich man put what he was taught and told all of a sudden with the face of Abraham. While in hell, the rich man cried. This is not a crying, if you will. It's a hollering out. He had the ability to articulate how he felt in hell. You see, while we're in the kingdom of peace and while we're in where the children are playing on the hole of a serpent's nest and nothing happens to them, in hell there's another kingdom that has its captives. And in this kingdom, the Bible tells us that while in hell, the rich man cried. That means he had the ability to put together a cry and to ask for help while in hell. The rich man could recognize the religion of how he was raised. He called on Father Abraham, and what did he ask for? Mercy. Y'all, this is not a doctrine that should be kicked to the side of the curb. This doctrine is the foundation of everything a church is about. It's everything that Christ is about. 
and where you and I are enjoying the wonderful things when we sing about salvation and in our hearts we go, one day it's over. Do you know for a lost man, when this is over, it's just a continuation. And all of a sudden, everything their grandmother tried to tell them and everything that preacher tried to tell them and everything that the soul winner tried to tell them and every time somebody knocked on the door and every time somebody said God loves you and all of a sudden they're going to take this upbringing and ask for mercy. While in hell, the rich man still viewed Lazarus as a servant rather than an equal. You see, people that die and go to hell, they do not change how they think. It's just a continuation of how. He says, could you send Lazarus to dip? You see, he still looked at Lazarus as this person that was his servant and that was less. You see, hell, if I could say it over and over again, hell is just a continuation of the life that they've always been living. He lived a life of superiority. He lived a life of I'm better than Lazarus. Here I am, I have fared something, I have everything. And poor Lazarus, he's just a beggar. Look at the dogs licking his sores. But in hell, hell didn't change him. Hell was nothing more than the continuation. While in hell, the rich man believed water would bring about relief. The rich man believed that one drop's all I need. While in hell, the rich man was being tormented by a flame. If one flame can bring that kind of torment, then what does a lake of fire bring? You see, in hell. And right now, if your spiritual conscience is causing you to say, well, you know, I don't know what relevance this has to us. It is probably one of the greatest cornerstones of Christianity, and that is this. If we believe in hell, we must put hell in the context of how Jesus put it in Luke chapter 16. It's not the beginning for a lost person. It is the continuation. And in hell, he knew who Father Abraham was. And in hell, he knew who Lazarus was. And in hell, his, his spiritual influence was there he asked for mercy and in hell the rich man would ask for water and in hell the rich man was being tormented by a flame while in hell the rich man was able to have a conversation in hell you see we'll be in heaven rejoicing they'll be in hell conversing conversations will take place while in hell the rich man was able to remember his life lived on earth Father Abraham said, you, you remember, when you lived on the earth, you had good things. Have you ever bemoaned the squandering of something you were given and you didn't realize how valuable it was and then you gave it away, you sold it in a garage sale or you let somebody have it and as years gone on, somebody said, do you not understand what you had? Do you know in hell that there will be a remembrance of how good they had it on earth? While in hell, the rich man was able to see the roles were reversed and now he was the one with the sores. While in hell, the rich man was brought to the understanding of the inability to fix his problem due to a great gulf. Abraham told him, hey, he can't come to you because there's a great gulf 
fixed between you two. People who die and go to hell, it is not the beginning. If I could say this over and over again, it is not the beginning of a new life. It is the continuation of a life already lived, and everything they lived on this earth comes with them to hell. The remembrance, the feeling, the religious upbringing, everything while in hell. The rich man still had his problem-solving skills in hell. You see, in hell, you're not a mindless piece of meat on a skewer rotating around flames. No, 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 no. You're you. Everybody you meet that's going to go to hell, they will take their problem-solving skills to hell. Here's what he said. Okay, so if I can't come to you because of this great golf fix, I'll tell you what we'll do, Abraham. Tell you what you need to do. You need to send Lazarus back from the dead. This will be the solution for my brothers not coming here. You see, the rich man in hell and in hell, he did not lose his problem-solving skills. You see, while he was rich, he solved problems. While he was rich, he commanded things happen. While he's rich, he plopped down money. Doors open. He solved problems. He used this skill. That's how he got to where he was at. But in hell, he could not fix this problem, but he was still trying to fix it. While in hell, the rich man was still disagreeing. He was still disagreeing with the spiritual leader. He said this, nay, nay, Father Abraham, nope, 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 you got this one wrong. You're way off base on this one. Do you know that in hell, you don't turn into this piece of meat, if I could put it that way, to where now you don't know what's going on. I'm just in this eternal abyss of fire. Oh no, my friend, you take who you are, and according to Luke 16, you step into hell with who you are, and the same, no, 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 that's not how you get to heaven. No, 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 I disagree. The rich man was still disagreeing with the spiritual forefather, while in hell, the rich man had to conclude that the solution was only found in Moses and the prophets, not in the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. I've just given you 16 major facts. I expounded on some of them over and over, but I've given you 16 basic facts about the rich man in hell for the purpose of letting you know that when someone dies without Jesus Christ, They do not begin a new life. You and I begin a new life. You and I begin no hospitals. No bad eyesight. No hearing aids. No crutches. No wheelchairs. Brother Combest, Miss Combest, Sundays I see you come in and sit back there with your family. You let that trumpet sound. There's no more of that. No more of that. But in hell, there's nothing more than the continuation. They'll still have their senses. They'll still have their mental capabilities. They'll still have a skill-solving set. They'll still recognize people. They'll still have the ability to disagree 
when someone dies and go to hell again, I cannot say this enough and let it stick in your head. They do not start over. They simply continue. And they drag with them everything they experienced here on this earth. They are the same people in hell that they were on this earth. The additional is this. It's a forever sentence of never getting out. I find it interesting that Jesus starts the chapter, if you'll go to the beginning of Luke chapter 16. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 16, and I found this ironic that in Luke chapter 16, we know that Luke chapter 19, would you look there and read the first phrase with me in verse number 19? Can we do that? Luke 16, 19, read the first phrase with me, ready? There was a certain rich man. Look at the very beginning of Luke chapter 16, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man. Do you know that he ended up with the rich man in hell, but he started out with the rich man. And I'm going to tell you that the devil's all about getting mankind preoccupied with building their kingdom and getting their riches and getting them all about serving, if you will. Look at Luke 16, verse number 13. Here's that middle bridge between the certain rich man that was rich in the beginning and the certain rich man that's in hell. Look at it. No, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and, what please, mammon. All of Christianity, religion, or whatever they want to call everybody else, they may doubt if there's a hell, but Emmanuel Baptist, we must believe there is a hell. We cannot fall into the apathy of thinking to ourselves, there is no hell. There is a hell. Which brings me to this point for tonight. The rich man's solution was this. God, if you'll let something miraculous happen, I know that my brothers will get saved. God, just let something miraculous happen. You know what God's solution was? They have Moses and the prophets. Would you look at Luke 16 at the very end? Luke 16, verse 30 said, hey, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Our Savior, Abraham, in Abraham's bosom, said, I think you got this all wrong. I, Abraham, am the friend of God. I am telling you that I showed how this was going to happen and that it wasn't a miracle. It was the ram. It was the sacrifice. And Abraham said, you have no idea what you're still trying to do this on your own. And I'm coming to you, man, you're telling you this, that there is a society around us that we cannot let them try to attempt miracles in their life. They have Moses and the prophets. You see, all would agree that someone goes to heaven 
when they come to Christ. But there is a word in there that is called repent. I want you to look at it. Verse number 30, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will what, please? Repent. The word repent is such a word that people want to dance around. It shouldn't be danced around. It's a biblical word. The word repent or repentance simply means a change. That's all it means. He knew my brothers are headed here. Lord, if this would pop up in front of them, if they would see Lazarus who, when they would come to visit, they saw this beggar next to my table. They, they saw this man full of sores that we would let the dogs in to lick the sores. And I'm telling you, if they saw him come back and that popped up in front of them, oh, they would repent. They would turn and they would start heading. There are two kinds of repentance. There is salvation repentance. And then there's life repentance. I'm going to put a quote up on the screen. Salvation repentance is not a change in how we are living life, living earthly life, but, in ch- but a change in what we are relying on for eternal life. Salvation repentance is not a change in how we are living our earthly life, but a change in what we are relying on for eternal life. What is it going to take For a society that is going to hell. And like little red wagons, they're piling up all the drama. And they're piling up all the heartache. And they're piling up years and years and years. And when they die, they take it with them. You and I don't get, we don't have to do that. Everything we're piling up. We're changed. And like I preached to last Sunday morning, the corruptible is going to put on incorruption. But not a lost person. A lost person's corruption just puts on more corruption and more corruption and more corruption. And in hell, they'll have everything they had on earth with them in hell. So, what are we going to do? What is the solution? Is, is the solution for the society for us to hold a healing service? And could it, could it be that, that, if, that, if, that if I could straighten out arms, could, could that be what would make people turn around? And No. But what if I rose from somebody from the dead? No. There is no miracle. There is no miracle that could happen that would stop people. Do you know what stops people? Moses and the prophets. Do you know what turns people around? Would you hold up Moses and the prophets? Could I get you to hold it up? That's it, my friend. Which have been done. And I think we live in a society that we laugh at people when we walk in and to their homes. Oh, you got scripture on your walls. Oh, you got scripture. It's Moses and the prophets. Can we go see what Jesus said? Don't you think he's the greatest author on eternal life? Go to John chapter 5. And I want you to look at this. 
Because Jesus, Abraham and Jesus, Abraham's lining up with Jesus because I want you to notice what Jesus said. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 39. We must look at our society that if someone's going to hell, then I want you to look at the life around them. They're going to take all of that into hell. It won't, it won't be a good eternity where you and I are going to live a great eternity. John 5, 39, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Please don't get off the beaten path, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another? John 5, 44, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even, even who? And in hell he lifted up his eyes. And this lost man in hell said this, if Lazarus would go back. And Father Abraham said, well, one rose from the dead. No, no, no. And then Abraham said this, they have Moses and the prophets. Would you look at what verse 46 and 47 of what our Savior said? For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? We're going to one more scripture, then we're done. Everyone who dies and goes to hell will take with them who they are here on this earth. It is not a continue, it is not a new beginning, it's a continuation. And here you have the only solution for lost humanity. Is his word. Did y'all hear that? It's his word. I wrote down several statements. They're not points, they're just statements. Hell is one of the reasons we have church. Hell is one of the reasons we have church. Hell is one of the reasons we have missionaries. Hell is one of the reasons we have evangelists. Hell is one of the reasons I stand and I preach. Hell was never created for mankind. Hell is one of the reasons we must go. This morning, one of our leaders were ill and and there was a family that needed to be picked up in Gladewater, and so I, they've been coming for a couple of weeks, about a month now, I think. And so I hopped in the church van, and Josh Robinson went with me, and we took off to Gladewater to pick up this family, and pulled up, and here this mama got out. Two cute little girls got out. We talked about deep spiritual things on the way to church. Charlotte's Web. 
Wilbur, and these two little girls in the back said, where's our donuts? But we're pulled around coming to church, and Mama looks down and says, where are your shoes? It's like, oh, Mama, do we need to go back? Say, oh, Pastor Bob, I'm sorry. No, nah, don't worry about it. We took that church van, went back around. She ran in, got the shoes, came out, got back in. Where's our donuts? So we start talking about Wilbur and Charlotte's Web, and we were having a good time. We pulled up, and we named the blue donut Wilbur. We named the pink donut with, with sprinkles Charlotte. And I said, this is what we're going to name these from now on. The one girl wanted blue with sprinkles and pink with sprinkles, so I ordered a Wilbur and a Charlotte. I don't think the Asian lady knew what I was trying to say, but I'll take a Wilbur and a Charlotte and kolaches, jalapeno kolaches and plain kolaches and came to church and got, got done with church and I quickly went and got the keys to the van and went out and got in the van and Josh and Emily, his sister, rode and we took him home and, and as the two little girls got out, I thought to myself, they've got to find Christ. Because would we want them and in hell? But what are those kids' only hope? It's that there's a church that believes in the doctrine of hell. That we do believe. That those kids already have a tough time. And mom on the way was telling me, I said, hey, where's your mom? And she told me about her mom. I said, tell me about your dad. And we quickly couldn't go there. And I said, tell me about your upbringing. And we quick, quickly couldn't go there. And she just said, oh, pastor. And I think what she was trying to do was to spare Josh from information that Josh should not have. And she didn't really want to talk about this in front of her kids. But she saved. You let that trumpet sound, it's all done. She gets peace. But those kids... And that's why we got to keep going, and that's why we got to keep picking them up. Because maybe somewhere, Brother Ethan, in the children's, Moses and the prophet will be presented. And then at some point, those kids accept what is said about a Savior who can give them a home in heaven and can clean up a life, and that they don't have to face us anymore. I think we believe in hell in word, but in practice, do we? In practice, do we? Can we go to our last text tonight? Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Is Sammy Alvarez here? Brother Sammy, I'm going to have you and Brother Thompson come, and I want you to sing what you sang Wednesday night. Could you do that? So, Brother John, come on in, y'all. Grab two mics. Go get some. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for heading up there. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them 
We're going to sing what they sang Wednesday night. Y'all ready? Okay. Move of compassion. Brother Thompson, Samuel, do y'all come on up? When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Look at Jesus' answer, please. Pray for the harvest. Bless their hearts. Pray that the harvest will find me. That's not what he said. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth, what please? Laborers, Laborers into the harvest. Amen. Long before you ever arrived here, somebody realized that there was a hell and that Moses and the prophets were the only thing that was going to keep somebody out of hell. Because Jesus said this, if you won't believe the writings of Moses, you won't believe my words. It's good old-fashioned footwork. And what it comes down to is this. We as believers are going to spend a forever in heaven in that kingdom of peace. But, but can I tell you that that kingdom of peace, the flip side of that kingdom of peace, is a kingdom of darkness. And he did not say pray for the harvest. He said pray for the laborers. And guess what we take into the harvest? Emily reminded me of uh, the day coming back. She said something very profound. She didn't realize what she said in coming back. But she said, you know, my, we were scrambling in Alaska to try to remember all those songs that we would sing. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. She said, we were scrambling to remember these songs that, that, that we were going to sing. Do you know what all of our songs are based on? Moses and the prophets. Do, do you know what the lesson's going to be? Moses and the prophets. She said that, I, you know, I've, Pastor, I've, I've kind of tried to learn to draw the salvation plan on a whiteboard. And, 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 and we were kind of brainstorming for the next with some teenagers. And it was like, I, you know, I've, I've learned to draw the salvation plan. It's all based on Moses and the prophets. But he didn't say pray for the harvest. You know what he said pray for? Laborers. And we're going into the harvest with his word. But we've got the completed word. You see, where Moses and the prophets sometimes are hard to understand, it's very easy to understand. For God so loved the world that he gave. Have you lost sight that there's a real place called hell? Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.